It's been quite a year full of trouble and turmoil. But Pastor Ed Taylor says he's excited about what God is doing in the midst of it all. I can't wait to hear of all the testimonies that are going to come in this time period, in this time period, in the, you know, whenever you're hearing this on the radio, I'm teaching in the year 2020, right in the middle of uh, the biggest crisis I've ever experienced in, in my entire life, the, the biggest restrictions I've ever faced of, of anything that I've seen as an adult or even as a kid. And, and as we go through this, I can't wait to hear the testimonies of what God has done to reveal himself in ways he would have not done so. This is amazing grace. Hello and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will rejoin us in just a second as we get set to open our Bibles to Daniel chapter 11. Election chaos, a virus that has infected millions around the world, shutdowns, it all has many on edge and asking questions like never before. What does the future hold and who can I trust? Well, today we'll discover we can trust an unknown future to a well-known God. Here's Pastor Ed to elaborate. We're almost done with the book of Daniel. This is our 32nd Bible study. We have this chap, this study and one more chapter to finish. And, and I am praying about what's next, looking forward to what God may have. But today we're in chapter 11, picking up where we left off last time in a Bible study that I've entitled, Trusting an Unknown Future to a Well-Known God. Because we're faced with quite a few questions. What am I supposed to do with my life? What does the future hold? Questions like, why am I here? And these are questions that believers and unbelievers have all the time. Who can I trust? Who can I go to? Where am I supposed to, where am I supposed to work? Where am I supposed to live? Who am I supposed to marry? How long am I to be single? And on and on the list goes. And these questions are valid and important, but sometimes they trouble us. Because we don't get the answer right away. It seems to be a familiar prayer, and we don't get the answer right away, so they trouble us. And, and other times, they, they take us on a journey in our mind that if we're not careful, will not lead in deeper faith, but lead to deeper doubt. And I forget the person that I learned this from, but I didn't make it up myself. I did jot it down. He said, it's always good to trust an unknown future to a well-known God. And we have both of those in our lives. We have an unknown future in many ways. None of us know what tomorrow will bring. None of us know if even there will be a tomorrow. And yet at the same time, in our relationship with God, we are, He is well-known by us. We're growing in our understanding of Him, but we're, He's well-known. He's shown Himself faithful time and time again in our lives. And it's in the Bible that we learn of God. His love and his care and his concern for every man, woman, and child, especially those that have repented and turned from their sins and asked him to forgive them. 
in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. It's been a passage that's carried us through most of this crisis. It says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster and to give you a future and a hope. But living in this world sends conflicting messages. Facing pain and difficulty over and over again, there's this lingering question that comes. If God is a God of love, then why is there war and famine and crime and disease and wild viruses that shut the world down? Why is there death and destruction? And if God is who he says he is, then why does he allow these things? Well, we fall back on what God reveals of himself, and we know that God is a God of love. But this world has rejected God. Some of you have a testimony in your own life where you rejected God, and you lived a life apart from God. You didn't look to him. You didn't surrender to him. You didn't ask him. You didn't follow him. You lived a life that you thought, well, maybe morally better than the next guy, but certainly not one surrendered to God. And as you lived your life, you lived it in rejection of God's love. And you can't serve two masters. You can only serve one master. And if you're not serving God as master, you're serving yourself. Little Jeeve created, the Bible says in Romans, a God of your own making. You made yourself God. You made something else God. And you're really not even serving that God because behind that God, little G, is Satan himself. The cosmic battle. Jesus said it this way in John 3, 19. He said, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than light for their actions were evil. I had a couple people come today praying and a couple of texts come through on their prayer line praying for a wayward kid and praying for a prodigal. And a couple of them, uh, they had addiction issues. And I reminded them, God gave me a, ver a word for them as I was praying for them. I was reminded of that time that Jesus taught us that, um, that whoever you present yourself to, you're a slave to them. And he used that example. Remember, he said, if you present yourself to sin, you, you kind of say, I'm going to follow sin. You become a slave to sin. And I'm paraphrasing here. You become a slave to sin. But if you present yourself a, a, unto righteousness, you become a slave of righteousness. And the good news that God gave me in that verse, because it, it's pretty straightforward, but what good news that I gave, God gave me in that verse to share with this, these moms, there were two moms, was that the slavery is the same. So that when you're a slave to addiction, you think, oh, there's no way out. I'll never get out from under it. And I'm just stuck to it. And, and forever you present yourself to that sin, you're going to feel like a slave to that sin. However, when you present yourself unto God, unto righteousness and right living, and you turn away from your sin, you, you get the same effect. You're just like, man, I'm living for the Lord. I love the Lord, and I, I can't get out from under it, but I don't even want to get out from under it. I want my life to change. I want my parenting to change. I want my mind to change. I want my attitude to change. Why? Because you become a slave to righteousness, joyfully. You're no longer serving sin, but you're serving the Savior. And the Bible tells us that Satan, the devil, is the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of this world, the God of this age. And he's the one causing all hell and havoc to run loose. The stuff we read about in the news, the stuff we're experiencing personally. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Stay alert. Watch out. 
For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So it's important as we are looking at an unknown future, it's important that we don't blame God for the difficulties in our lives. It's super important we have the right perspective. We're not to blame God for the way that things are working out right now and the way things are happening. The world has been under the authority of the enemy and is feeling the pains and effects, not only of the devil's oversight, but our own poor choices. I suspect there's someone listening to me right now that could say that they experienced the pain of their own poor choices just today. And you can't blame God for it. And really, we need to learn in a blame culture where we have a lack of people really wanting to take responsibility for their own lives, responsibility for their own choices in a culture that's so comfortable in blaming everyone else, we need to step back and say, no, no, it's not, it's not someone else's fault. It's my fault. I take responsibility for my choices. And it's ready. You can jot it down in Ephesians chapter 6. It's time to be ready to put on that spiritual armor. And I think in a time like this, especially the helmet of salvation, just remembering our relationship with the Lord. Because if you're your view of the character and nature of God is skewed and you begin to believe a lie, we've already learned in the Garden of Eden, when you begin to believe a lie, you act on those lies and you find yourself farther and farther away from the Lord. With all that in mind, let's come back to Daniel chapter 10 and 11 because it was in chapter 10 that Daniel went to prayer. He was fasting and seeking the Lord with great spiritual intensity. It, it affected him personally. And he wanted to know what was going on. He understood, it says in, in chapter 10, verse 1, he understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. And as he's seeking the Lord, he receives the answer. The prayer was heard the first moment, you know, the instant, the day it was sent. But there was resistance on the answer coming, coming to him. And after this resistance, finally, there comes the answer. And what he saw in, in what we saw in chapter 10 is there really is a war in the spiritual realm. And we don't give so much, we live so much in the physical realm that it's easy to forget the spiritual realm. We're caught up in the physical just everything about the physical, what we can do, what we can't do, go to work, can't go to work, you know, just all the challenges in the physical. But there's a spiritual reality. And we learned that there was a spiritual war in chapter 10. That sometimes because of the spiritual war, answers can be delayed, answers to prayer. But what we think is a delay is really the perfect timing of God. It arrives in the perfect timing of God. And even though it might be delayed and the devil thinks he's making progress, he's not. And I'm convinced as we look back in chapter 10 that if Daniel would have given up, he would have missed out on the blessings that God had for him right up ahead. He would have missed out. And, and he would have missed out on the answer that God had for him. And you know, we, we think of, well, wait a minute, why, why can't this whole delay, you come to this with a more logical perspective, go, wait a minute, this is the God of all the universe. Why does he just wipe out the demonic realm right now? Why does he just take them out? Well, he could, and one day he will. But for now, he allows, he allows the opportunities for us to learn to wait 
to learn to be patient. It causes an environment in us when we don't get what we want right away to struggle, which leads to growth. There are times when an answer to prayer isn't the timing of God. We're not ready for it. So it's coming in right in his timing. And, and there's a strength that comes only through the struggle. It would come no other way. You're not going to read a book about it. It's not going to come from a Bible study, but rather it's going to come through your own personal experience of following God and struggling through and, and persevering. And I can't wait to hear of all the testimonies that are going to come in this time period, in this time period, in the, you know, whenever you're hearing this on the radio, I'm teaching in the year 2020, right in the middle of uh, the biggest crisis I've ever experienced in, in my entire life, the, the biggest restrictions I've ever faced of, of anything that I've seen as an adult or even as a kid. And, and as we go through this, I can't wait to hear the testimonies of what God has done to reveal himself in ways he would have not done so. And, I, you know, we're going to hear testimonies, too, of people going, well, you know, I didn't really care, and I went off and started drinking. I went off and ran. I went off and quit. I went off and... And you're going to hear a lot of those testimonies. But even then, God can use that. But we're going to hear the testimonies of, no, I was faced with this, and I persevered. I was faced with this, and as hard as it was... I mean, I, I, I even thinking, you know, there's going to be somebody who goes, I even had the bottle in my hand, and the Lord gave me strength to put it down. I even went to my, you know, my familiar dealer and I turned the corner. I was ready to sign the divorce papers. It was just too much. We couldn't take it anymore. It was bad before this all started. But I waited and God has done a work in our marriage. Persevere. Steady on. I'm glad that Daniel didn't give up because he got the answer in chapter 11 that we've been, been learning about. He, he was able to move forward with stamina and strength, with faith and commitment that are built up in the realm of our struggles. So in chapter 10, Daniel's about 85, 90 years old, a man of wisdom, a man of experience. In prayer for 21 days, he gets the answer. Chapter 11, we get the message if you were with us last time. If you weren't, you can catch up with all these studies on our app and our newly, we just relaunched a brand new website and the studies are so much easier to find now. And there's a whole tab of the book of Daniel. And the best way to view chapter 11 is how we studied last time. Chapter 11 is divided really into two parts. The first part, remember, really, I guess you put it this way. The best way to understand Daniel 11 is to think of the 70 weeks of Daniel that we learned in chapter 9, the prophetic time clock. And the first part of chapter 11, where we looked at up to verse 35 and covering a couple different verses, all took place in the first 69 weeks. And the rest of what we're going to study today is going to take place in the final week, what we know as the seven-year great tribulation period. So with all that in mind, let's pick up in chapter 11, verse 36. The king will do, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, the king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed only until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined will surely take place. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors or the god loved by women or for any other god. For he will boast that he is greater than them. 
Instead of these, he will worship the God of fortresses, a God of his ancestors, a God his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and expensive gifts. So somewhere between verses 36 and 38, there's a large gap of time. And it's the gap of time between the 69th week of Daniel and the 70th week of Daniel. According to Romans chapter 11, verse 25, you may commonly know this gap of time, which, by the way, we are living in right now. We are living in the end of the 69th week, awaiting and hopefully we don't see it that the rapture of the church comes and we don't see the final 70th week of Daniel. But it's commonly known, according to Romans chapter 11, verse 25, as the fullness of the Gentiles. And, and let me read it to you in the New Living. It says, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will only last until the full number of the Gentiles comes to Christ. That's the New Living. The New King James is what we're more familiar with, and that is until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. The appointed time back in verse 35 is still yet future. Notice it says, Some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. It is still yet future as we're studying Daniel ourselves. There is coming a time that's still future for us that will be so bad that it's never been experienced in all of human history. According to Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, it says, For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. It will, it will never be so great again, Jesus taught. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not one single person will survive, but will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. And who is being described here in this section? None other than that one world leader that rises up in the great tribulation period that we've studied many times and now we're getting greater insights, a man that we know as the Antichrist. We don't know his name yet, but I do believe he's alive. Like he's not, I don't believe he's a baby right now. I think we are so close to the coming of Christ, the rapture of the church, that this guy's being set up. And you go, come on, Ed, you don't believe that. No, I do believe that. And I should have clipped the article. I didn't get a chance to do it. But where we have the former prime minister of England rising up and saying, we are in such bad straits. It is so difficult that we need to appoint a one world. We need one leader to rally all the leaders of the world to help solve this dilemma. And, and when you have others, um, high dollar billionaires, and Bill Gates coming together and wanting to fund the UN, an organization that already has military might around the world, wanting to fund the UN to collaborate and come together and, and we're just all one world and we'll just all have peace and we'll have one leader and all will go well. You see, folks, this is happening in your lifetime. This is the news being posted online now. These are the, the little notifications I'm getting on my phone while I'm teaching. I'm, things are popping up and things are happening and no other generation has ever seen. Neither has any generation really seen the kind of globalism that can be brought about in an instant. 
and you see the globalism being brought about, um, whatever you're looking at behind the scenes, people mock the thought of an antichrist, people mock the Bible teaching about a one world government, people, and I'm not talking about the conspiracy theories here and all the fanciful ideas, I'm just talking about what the Bible says. The Bible couldn't be clearer. The, the people mock about a one world government where money won't be necessary, where credit cards won't even be necessary, where you can just walk around with a mark on your hand or your forehead and you can purchase things just by walking in and out of a market and they just know who you are <laughs> and they just, oh, we'll just connect it to your bank account and to your tab. That's happening right now. And so as the Bible describes the Antichrist, take it seriously. We, we learn a few things about him that I want to point out. Come back to me, come back with me, would you, in verse 36. Number one, I want you to see his arrogance. The Antichrist and his arrogance. He's going to do according to his own will, or it says in the New Living, the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt himself and claim to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. This is an arrogant man who will do as he pleases, exalt himself, and do everything according to his own will, like we learn of the seeds of rebellion in Lucifer in the presence of God. As he claims over and over again, I will, I will, I will. The Antichrist will be empowered by the devil himself and will do as he wills. Arrogance. Here's some from homework. You can go to uh, Isaiah chapter 14 and just read the chapter and compare the Antichrist to the devil and the rebellion of Lucifer. We'll save the rest of this message, Trusting an Unknown Future to a Well-Known God, for tomorrow's Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is nearing the end of a study in Daniel. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end... This would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. We've made it possible to donate online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. Pastor Ed, your new book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart, is out. Now, who is this written for, and why do they need to read this? Well, Larry, this has been a book we've been working on for a couple years now, and it is finally out, and we're very encouraged by that. I know that it's going to be an encouragement to anyone that chooses to read it. I think it many times throughout the years, throughout life, we have troubled hearts. and can be troubled about many things. Remember, uh, it was to Martha 
uh, and Mary, remember, in their house, it was to Martha that Jesus said, you know, you're worried and troubled about many things, and a lot of things trouble our hearts. I think this book will be an encouragement to anyone that's discouraged, uh, that's battling depression, that is going through grief, that's suffered life's disappointments, uncertainties, those that might be worried. Uh, you name it. It is a resource that I believe, after these years of working on it and editing it, that God will use in a wonderful way. Of course, it's to be used with a Bible. So have a Bible open and use this resource to encourage you. Uh, it's been written uh, from my heart as, it, as these uh, studies were delivered to our church, edited down into book form, and then edited some more. I think anyone, uh, not only anyone that's dealing with a troubled heart or concerns and cares of life, but it's a great gift for those in your life as well. And I encourage you to pick it up. A lot of work put in was put into it, and we're very, very happy uh, to make it available to you. So thanks for asking. Get a copy of God's Help for the Troubled Heart for a donation of $25 to Abounding Grace when you call 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it on Amazon. We'll get back into Daniel tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.